right. Well, good morning again, guys. Uh, my name is Mitchell Wells. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch. Thanks for getting, joining us this Sunday morning. The worship was awesome and rich. Thanks again, guys. That was awesome. Got a couple quick announcements before we jump into the message. So let's see. One, we already heard a lot about world mandates coming up this weekend. This conference has been so powerful for me and my family. So I, I want to highly encourage you to come this Friday and Saturday night. You can sign up today. And then another couple other things we've got... For all you parents out there with young kiddos, we have a, a baby dedication service that we're going to do. I believe it's on October 17th. There we go for all those babies. Woo! Let's go, children. <laughs> Got a few of those. And uh, we will give you more information about why we do those things. But it's just an opportunity to intentionally, as not just a personal family, but as a church family, to get behind these, this new life that's in our church. Many children are, have been born and are being born, and we want to get behind them and bless them in the name of the Lord. So if you uh, parents want to participate in that, there's a little sign-up, antiochindiabay.org forward slash baby for baby dedication. It's October 17th. It's perfect. Okay, another couple things we've got. Hang on, let me just check, make sure I got all these announcements. Um, like Maggie mentioned, the day of prayer and fasting we do once a month. I highly encourage you, especially if you've never um, set aside a day to pray and fast. Jesus talked about it a few times and implied that his followers would do it, not to earn anything from God, but as a way to partner with him to believe for breakthrough with whatever's going on in our personal lives and around us. And so this Tuesday, we're going to do a little day of prayer and fasting, have a couple times to meet corporately, 6.30 a.m. and noon. We'll give you more information through our Instagram and some, some of our group meetings if you're in one of those life group group meetings to come join us for a day of prayer and fasting. It's going to be going to be powerful. Okay, last announcement is how about those Razorbacks? Wow, any Razorback fans out there? Wow. They're doing great this year, guys. 4-0. and oh. But I do want to take a moment. I have a few friends that are Aggies, and I just want to take a moment of silence just real quick for all those that are mourning. To, I'm just kidding. I'm an Aggie, but I was rooting for the Razorbacks yesterday. Way to go, guys. Woo pig suey. All right, let's get to the message here. Um, so we have been going through this series called Worthy is the Lamb. Let's say that again. Say, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy. We're talking about Jesus. He is worthy of everything. This is taken from Revelation 5, verse 12, that says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, who died for us, he re to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. That's a lot of things he's worthy of. Another way to say that is the lamb that was slain, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us and rose again. He is worthy of everything. And through this series, we've been talking about why is he worthy? Beginning, I'm going to say beginning to answer the question, why is he worthy? Ultimately, he is worthy because he is God and he created everything. Like You and I would not exist if it wasn't for him. God could be like anything he wants to be like, but he would still be worthy of worship because we exist for him unto him. But what we've also been doing is we're discovering who does the Bible say that he is? What is he like? And when we discover what he's like, it adds to how much we proclaim, worthy are you, Lord. Worthy is a lamb that was slain. So we've been looking at some of his characteristics. What is he like on the inside? We, we talked about his humility. We talked about his holiness, how he's a servant and serves us, serve the whole world. Uh, last week, we talked about his faithfulness. And so we're going to kind of wrap it up this week, this is kind of the second to last message of this series, 
And next week, we're going to get to hear from a guy named Trace Howard. He's the dad of one of our awesome college students named Arden Howard, and he is one of the main worship leaders and directors at a church in Dallas called Upper Room, and he's going to be coming into town uh, this next weekend to join us for World Mandate, but also he's going to preach on Sunday, and he's pretty much going to take all of that we've been talking about and how amazing and worthy Jesus is, and he's going to just focus in on, like, what's our main response, and it's, it's worship. It's glorious, surrendered, just complete, just worship to him. And he's going to take us into some really intriguing insight from a lot of the Old Testament Hebrew words about worship and what that means for us today. And so just brace yourself for next Sunday. It's going to be really good. But today, I'm going to pick one last attribute and characteristic of God to wrap up this. Any guesses? I've talked about his holiness, his faithfulness, his uh, humility, how he's a servant. Any guesses? What am I going to talk about today? A few of you are right. I'm going to talk about his love. He is loving. Look at your neighbor and say, God is loving. He is so loving. Let me read this passage from Ephesians 3. It's the passage that I've been thinking about and praying for you guys this morning and for myself. It'll be on the screen behind me, and then we'll pray. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. This is Paul writing what he's been praying for this church. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with, with power through his spirit in your inner being. Who wants to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being? Anybody want that strength? Come on. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, verse 18, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How many of you guys want to be filled with all the fullness of God? Want that? Me too. Let me pray for us this morning. You just agree with me, and let's believe the Lord's going to show us his love in a fresh way today. You ready? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you're in this room with us. Thank you for this morning. Thank you that we just get to sense your nearness in this room when we gather with other believers to sing to you and worship. You're just, you, you dwell among us, and we're so thankful for your presence. And Father, I ask that you would show us all your love again today. Lord, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to receive in a greater way just this truth that many of us have heard since we were little, that you love us. But God, would you show us in a fresh way this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. You guys ready to talk about his love? All right, I want to just comment a little bit about what I just read, okay? So if you have your Bible, stay open to Ephesians 3, or we'll pull it back up on the screen in just a second. But let me comment on this, okay? So literally, this is a prayer that Paul's praying for a church. And here's a little uh, pro tip here. If you're ever wondering how to pray for somebody or pray for something, just, just steal the prayers from the Bible, okay? Just take these prayers and begin to pray them for yourself, your family, your friends. This is like good stuff. If you start praying these prayers. And so he's talking about being strengthened. He's talking about the love of God. But I want you to see something here. In verse, uh, the end of 17, he's talking about that you being rooted and grounded in love. So let me pause there. He's like, hey, I'm about to pray something over you. I, need, I want you to get something, but first I want you to be rooted and grounded in his love. I want you like to be just to know, like, hey, God loves you. Like, be secure in it, unshakable, immovable. 
And so he's like, I want you to first be secure in his love because I want you to receive something. Okay? And you know what he wants you to receive? That God loves you. <laughs> you need to be so secure and grounded in his love because he's about to do something. Look, it even says, like, that you would, verse 18, that you would have strength to comprehend. He's like, you need strength for what I'm about to tell you. You need to be rooted in his love, grounded in his love, and you're going to need some strength because I'm about to tell you something really good. God loves you. He loves you so much. This is, this is just awesome to me. You've got to be prepared with the love of God because I'm going to tell you something. He loves you. And look at this. How much does he love us? It talks about the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of his love. Here's how much God loves you. More than you know. More than you know right now. The width of his love, the length of his love, the height, the depth of his love goes beyond what you currently know right now and what I currently know right now. And I want us walking out of here almost offended with how much God loves you. Like, I want you leaving here thinking, there's no way that God loves me that much. And when you get to that place, you're like at the beginning of his love. And also, look at verse 19. I love this. This is just awesome. He says, I want you to know, everybody say no. I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So here's what Paul is saying. Guys, I want you to know something that is beyond knowing. I want you to know something that you can't know. I want you to, to intimately know something that goes beyond what you can know. He is saying these words here, literally, they're, they're talking about the, like, the intimate knowing, like being familiar with, and it's talking about like intellectual knowing. He's saying, I want you to know, and let me use a different word, experience the love of God that goes beyond what you can mentally agree with in your head. Nod your head if you know God loves you. It's a trick question. It's beyond knowledge. It surpasses understanding. It's more than you can know. You're in, God got you, not me. God got you with this. We all know he loves us, but he's like, no, 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 no. I want it to go not just from here, but I want it to go deeper. So I want us to understand that when it is good for us to mentally acknowledge that God loves us, but I think what God is, this prayer that Paul's praying for this church is not just that they would know it, but that they would experience his love. And let me make a couple comments on this because what I'm saying right now has some voices that are critical because there's some that have rightly said, we don't want to like overemphasize emotion. We don't want to overemphasize experience because there's sometimes when there's in, the, in our walk with God that we don't experience or feel things. Nod your head if you've ever walked with God more than a day. <laughs> Great. Sometimes you don't feel it. And so I agree with some of the criticism that, hey, we don't want to be overly emotional and experiential all the time. But I would also warn against being only intellectual and only settling for Noah's love in my mind, but never, never in a sense, asking the Lord, Lord, I experience your love. Because, you know, the greatest commandment, the Lord said, love the Lord, or Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart mind, soul, and strength. So thankfully, it's not one or the other. 
You guys tracking with me? Some of you come from uh, kind of a, a group of people that more emphasize one direction. Some of us come from a different group of people that emphasize one direction. Thankfully, it's not one or the other. He wants to stimulate our minds and our intellect with how much he loves us, but he also wants us to feel it emotionally. I say both. A relationship with God and his love that is a void of emotion sometimes, I would say we're missing something. A relationship with God that's only based on your emotions will go like this. Woo! And so we need to know the truth as well. You guys tracking with me? But here's what I want to come back to. I'm going to emphasize what this says. He says, I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowing. I want you to experience this powerful love of God. So here's a prayer I would encourage us to consider praying, especially those of you that said yes, that you know that God loves you. Just begin to pray. Lord, I want to experience your love in a fresh way. I want to experience your love. I want to feel it, Lord. Let's keep going here because I want to make sure we're, on the, we're talking about the same thing. So let me define a little bit of what I'm talking about with the phrase that God loves us. So the word love is kind of an overarching word that covers a lot. We have a slide to kind of display some of that. So by saying that God is loving, here's what it also expresses. He is gracious. He is merciful, forgiving. He's patient. He's kind, compassionate, caring. My favorite, he's so, so, so good. When we say that God is loving, we're saying these things as well. A great passage from Psalm 145 kind of covers this. Look at what this says. It says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Some translations say he's rich in mercy. And I interchange those words. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Anybody thankful that God is like this? That your Father in heaven is like this? Look at this. This is awesome. <laughs> he is so loving. He's so gracious. He's so gentle. He's so merciful. He's so tender. He's so patient with us. Anybody besides me need God to be patient with you sometimes? <laughs> he is. I love it. Now, there's four primary words um, that are used for the word love throughout the Bible. It's just it's funny that in our English language, love is the word we use. We just kind of say it different ways. I love that, or I love that, you know, whatever. <laughs> we can, you can say it different ways, but here's a couple, two in Hebrew, hesed and ahab, and then in Greek, agape and filio. And this first one, hesed, or hesed, is what I was just talking about, kind of, it's used as a noun, like God's love, his, his goodness, his grace, his patience. It's interused a lot with mercy. Instead of God being steadfast in love, a lot of translations will say rich in mercy. It's really similar. It's a noun. But all those other words, look at what, this, what those words mean. It means, so when he says he loves us, this is what it means. He has affection for, he likes, he enjoys, he delights in, and he's fond of. So let me say that again. God loves us. Here's what this means. He has affection for us. He likes us. He enjoys us. He delights in us. We are a joy to him. Now, I would say most of you agree with me so far, yes? And you know, one of the reasons that I, I said it a certain way to help you is because I said us. But let me go from us to you. And let me tell you the same thing. God loves you, which means he has affections and feelings for you that are positive. He enjoys you. He likes you. You are a joy to him. You bring his heart delight. Woo! That's great news. 
if this is true, this is great news. But for whatever reason, sometimes it's harder to believe. Well, not us. Okay, yeah. Me? Do you know me a little bit? No. We must believe this. We must be rooted and grounded that God has affection and love and enjoyment of us. We must. Let's keep going. Another question that kind of helps me with challenging how much do I believe it is I, I think, hey, what, what facial expression does God make when he looks at me? Sorry, don't look at my face so much, guys. I'm not God, okay? Close your eyes. <laughs> what if he's, he's not frowning at you? What if he's not shaking his head at you? What if he's not, like, have a critical eye waiting for you to mess up? What if he's smiling at you? What if, like, he's laughing, not at you, but with you? What if he's just got a big grin on his face when he thinks about you? Do you know that you are his creation? You are his son. If you put your faith in Jesus, you are his son or his daughter. He's smiling in Zephaniah says he's singing and rejoicing over us as his children. Woo, this is glorious news, guys. Just smile at somebody next to you. Just try your best. Just smile at somebody. Come on, just smile. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tiny glimpse. Most of your smiles were awkward. So what, what happened, guys? <laughs> but it's a tiny glimpse. I just want to challenge that. Some of us, it's hard to believe that. I understand. It's hard for me to believe that sometimes. But I think the Lord wants to unravel some things because until we believe that, we're going to be struggling. <laughs> and God wants us rooted and grounded in his love, which literally means his affection for us, his delight in us. And guess what? Great news, more great news. He doesn't have to love you. It's not an obligatory, obligatory <laughs> love. He really loves you, and he wants to love you. He enjoys you and delights in you, and he likes you. And he's not just putting up with you. He's not ashamed of you. He's not constantly annoyed by you or constantly disappointed in you, even when you mess up, even when you have a hard day. I was, here's, an, here's an example. Uh, just, I'm going to give you a couple examples throughout this message about how I relate to my children. And I, there's a scripture, I think it's also later on in um, Psalm 145, it talks about how a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on us. And I'm going to give you a couple analogies and examples from my life, but as an imperfect father, like I have these feelings of love and affection and enjoyment and delight over my children. And I, what I'm hoping for is that my children get a glimpse, just a small picture of how much their father in heaven loves them and has affection for them. So here, here's an example. I was talking to Josiah and Micah, my two boys, like a nine-year-old and a six-and-a-half-year-old, and we were driving to school one day, and we were talking about a baseball game that they were going to have later that night. And I was just thinking about, man, I really want them to know like, how much I love them, and I want that to help them know how much God loves them. And I was just talking about their baseball game. I said, hey, boys, are you excited for baseball tonight? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> I'm going to school, Dad, and I'm not thinking about baseball right now. But I started talking about it. I'm like, hey, I got a question for you guys. If you guys, like, strike out every time, and you miss so many balls, and you make a lot of mistakes, is Daddy going to be, like, really angry with you and disappointed with you after the game? And they're like, no. I was like, okay, this is going good. And I said, why? <laughs> I said, why? And they just, like, nonchalantly, it's like, because you love us. And I was like, Yes. 
<laughs> I'm a good dad sometimes. Yay. Man, that is just, it's touching to me. Because I want that, again, this is an imperfect father showing love to his sons is a small glimpse of when we mess up, when we strike out every time, when we fail again at the same thing, when we miss something again. Is God just fed up with you? Is he just utterly disappointed in you? Or does he love you? Is he gracious? Is he forgiving? Does he give you another chance? Does he encourage you and say, I'm, just, I'm proud of you still? Ooh. He loves us. And it's really good. He's affirming in his love. He's proud of us in his love. He's glad that you are his son. He's glad that you are his daughter. He's pleased with you. And let me also say this. You are enough to him. You are more than enough to him. One of the things I love to tell my children right before bed, literally, it's one of the last things I say. I whisper in their ears. I leave their room. I say, I love you, and I'm so glad you're my son. I love you, and I'm so glad you're my daughter. And guess what? Most days, they sin against me. <laughs> Most days, they disobey. Most days, they dishonor. Most days, they argue and fight with each other. Most days, they make mistakes. I still say the same thing, and I mean it every time. How much more our perfect Father in heaven? Like, what if tonight, when you went to bed, I would actually encourage you, put your phone down, put a book down for just a second, and just, like, think, Lord, if you were tucking me in, what would you tell me? You messed up here today. You didn't do this better tomorrow. Or would he say, I love you. I'm so glad you're my son. I'm so glad you're my daughter. Oh, let's hear his father voice. Amen. Now we keep going here. I just feel like the Lord wants to help us stop spinning our wheels. You know, it's kind of picture a hamster in a little hamster wheel. Trying to be enough for him trying to do enough, trying to be enough, trying to receive and earn, in a sense, his love and acceptance. He wants to get us out of those wheels. He wants us to stop, receive his love, and thank him and rejoice. Now, how many of you guys had, growing up, had an imperfect father? Every hand should be raised. <laughs> Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you feel confident about it, let me meet your dad. Sounds like a great guy. <laughs> okay, and so I don't want to look over this because oftentimes as I've uh, ministered to people over the years, I, and as I think about my own life, a, a block, a hindrance to me actually believing the things that I'm telling you right now this morning is connected to the ways our dad treated us. And here's a couple comments I want to say. Your dad is not God. Your dad is different than God. Your dad was, has made mistakes, and he is imperfect. And even if some of you have, have this, like, very healthy dads, like, amazing dads, better than I am towards my children. You're just, they just love God. They love you. You felt so safe and secure. But even them are not God. God is so perfect. And through who he is and his power and his perfection and his love, he can heal any one of us from really deep-seated wounds from our dads. And if you feel and you know that it was hard growing up, I just feel like this morning the Lord wants you to know that you can receive his healing. And that healing is complete, but I will say it never stops. Meaning, like, we need to know he loves us and be healed by his love, but you're going to also need it tomorrow. <laughs> you're also going to need it on Tuesday. 
And so if you still struggle sometimes with believing some of these truths because of the things of the past or just lies floating around in your mind, it's okay. But tomorrow, will you just wake up and believe that God loves you? That he's your perfect father in heaven. Let him heal those wounds. And then the next day, do the same. You tracking with me? And you are, you are in good company. A lot of us have harder pasts with guys or men that are supposed to be, in a, in a sense, representations pointing us to God. But even if they failed, God is still God. And he's such a good God. And he's such a healer. Let me move on to, in a sense, another direction. Everything I said so far, I fully believe in, and I want us to receive. We're going to have a moment later to respond to this. But I want to comment on his love in a different way, where when we don't feel it, when we don't believe it, when these things that sound too good to be true, like we actually don't believe them or experience them, what can we always count on in regards to his love? And so I'm going to give you three unchanging, solid truths about his love, most of which you will like. And I want us to always know that these truths about his love, they're like the rocks we can stand on. They're immovable, okay? And they will never change. So here's the first one. Truth number one, God's love has been proven and it has been accomplished. It is done. Let me unpack this for a second. Okay, here's probably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What those first few words of that verse say? For God so what? Loved the world. He gave his son. Guess what? He already did it. He gave us his son, and he's not taking him back. <laughs> he gave us Jesus. He sent him, and that was finished. He came. He lived a perfect life. He, done, he, he did it. And that's unchanging. So when you wondered if he loves you, just remember he sent his son. Look at another common verse, Romans 5, 8. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Guess what? Whether you feel it or not, whether it's touching your heart today or not, guess what's already been done? Jesus died for you. And guess what? It's not changing. It's not changing. I want you to notice the the tense of some of these verbs in the first verse. For God so loved, he gave, past tense. Look at the beginning of this verse in Romans 5. God shows his love. By something he did in the past. This is so cool to me. Like any time today, 2,000 years after it happened, you really begin to think about Jesus dying for you on the cross, shedding his blood to forgive you. He's showing you his love today. And literally all you have to do is just think about and remember that he died. In this great news, this is unchanging. It's already finished. It's already been done. He's accomplishing it, and it cannot be reversed. Woo, that's good news. So you ever wondering if he loves you? Here's the truth. He's already proven it. He's done things that are irreversible, unchangeable. He gave us his son, and that son died for us. Whew, it's good news. Let's keep going. Ready for another one? Yeah? All right, another one. Second one. Nothing can separate us from his love. Let me read you an action-packed passage here. Romans 8, 31. Some of you are familiar with this. It's long. Get ready. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Isn't that so great? Jesus right now at the right hand of God interceding for us. And then here it goes. 
this, this phrase that you guys remember. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's great news. Is that good news to you? This is great news. Nothing can separate you from his love. If you're having a bad day, if you're having a good day, if you spent time with God in the morning or you slept through your alarm for six days straight, he loves you. That doesn't separate you from his love. If you just made a mistake, he loves you. If you just sinned, he loves you. If you just did something really holy, he loves you still the same. If you feel him or if you don't feel him, he loves you and nothing can separate you from his love. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. His love is more true than my feelings sometimes. Nothing can separate us from his love. Let's go. Amen. Last truth here that I'm going to share. There's a lot more truth about his love. So we looked at he's, pro- he's proven his love and he accomplished it. Nothing can separate us from his love. But here's the one I'm not sure all of you are going to like, but I'm going to say it anyways. His love is not devoid of discipline. So let me just talk about this for a second. His love, it is full of affection. It's full of delight. It's full of enjoyment. Everything that I've said earlier is true about the way he feels toward us and loves us, but that love is not just an ooey-gooey type of love. His love is not devoid of discipline sometimes. So all of my children, though I love them so much, they all get discipline. Well, except Ava. She's our little baby. She's perfect. (laughs) Literally, she hasn't made a mistake in her life. But I deeply love them. So God, his... because he loves us. Let me say it's, it's an outflow of his love. It's a, it's a display of his love. It's not contradictory to his love. It's actually confirming his love. Because he loves us, he will correct us. Because he loves us, he will warn us sometimes. Because he loves us, he will allow us to experience pain sometimes. And loss sometimes. And dare I say, even consequences to bad decisions. This is his love. But it's not because he's out to get us. It's not because he has ulterior bad motives. It's because he loves us, wants us to learn, wants us to grow, wants to protect us. And let me give you an example. This would be, I think, a, a good example because it, sh- it shows my imperfection, and I want you to see that as a contrast to how God would do it. Okay? So just um, this happened a couple days ago. Uh, we we're at a, leaving a baseball game, and uh, I have a little three-year-old named Arabella. And if, you, if you've seen her, she is so cute. She's got this curly blonde hair, big blue eyes. She, everything she says is just so cute. But do not be deceived. She is feisty. <laughs> She's feistier than them all. We were leaving the baseball game, and she was in a feisty mood a little bit. And um, we use the word feisty because it's kind of a neutral word, but I think she knows what we mean. Anyways. And I, I was holding her hand, and I was telling her, I'm going to take you to your car seat. And for whatever reason, she didn't like that, and so she uh, re- pulls her hand away from mine and begins to walk backwards into the street, in a street where there's a lot of cars leaving. And so I 
I respond, and I grab her hand, her arm, and pull her towards me, and I say, not in the most gentle tone, I say, we do not do that. Let me just pause. There's, there's my world of parenting here, okay? <laughs> I know, parents, I'm imperfect. And you know what she does? She cries. She cries. So I pick her up. She's crying. Now she's, she's lost her fight, so it's kind of good. She's crying. I put her in the car seat, strap her in. We're good to go. I'm glad she stopped fighting. Okay. But let me, just, let me just pause and tell you a couple things going on in my heart. Though I wish I would have maybe used a different tone, though I would have said similar words, though maybe I would have been a little more gentle with the way I grabbed her hand. I did that because I love her. I, in the moment, in the you know, few split seconds I had to re- react, I did not want her to get hit by a car. So I grab her. <laughs> and I want her to, to know that what she did was not okay. And so I said, I corrected. We do not do that. And so let me just tell you a couple things. As I think about how this could relate to God and his love. There are plenty of things that we can choose to do where we pull our hands away out of the hand of God. And we start to backtrack into more dangerous things. And it's, it's sin. It's, it's rebellion. But do you know what God does? He does whatever he can do so that you don't get hit by a car. He does whatever he can do so that you know that rebelling against him is not the best idea. And do you know what he does? He doesn't pull you in and shame you. He doesn't pull you in and yell at you. He doesn't pull, he, with grace, with tenderness, with love and mercy, he says, I know that hurt your arm a little bit but I'm glad she didn't get hit by a car. I know you think that this was a good idea, but I want you to know that that's the wrong way of thinking. And it's a display of his love. Now let me close up that story. Okay, so we get in the car, she's crying, and before I have her apologize to me, I say, hey, Arabella, I'm sorry that I talked to you so rudely or sternly, overly sternly. Please forgive me. And she's still crying, but it's really cute. I forgive you. That's <laughs> what she says. It's so great to be forgiven by a three-year-old. <clears throat> okay, and then I uh, give an opportunity, like, hey, what'd you do? Wrong, whatever, I disobeyed. And I ask her to, to apologize. She says, I'm sorry for disobeying. And then I say, I forgive you. I love you. We're just not going to do that again. And we're fine. We're fine. I'm in a great relationship. So there's no break in a sense of relationship. (laughs) Yeah, we've been fine ever since, guys. Don't worry. (laughs) She still has daddy to tuck her into bed. Okay. (laughs) And so just bringing you in a little bit to my world because it's it's imperfect. And I intentionally share that story with you so that you know that I'm not perfect. And none of us are. But to see, like, oh, God, you love me enough. I don't want to limit the revelation of your love. I don't want to limit that it's only just a feeling in a moment in a room like this we're singing the song about his love, but also, God, you're showing me your love by giving me some warning sometimes. You're showing me some love sometimes by letting me experience some pain just for a little bit. And I wouldn't even say he's doing it to us, but he's, out of his love, he just gets us. He pulls us in. He says, I want you to know that I love you so much that I'm willing to show it in multiple different ways. Let me show you what Hebrews 12 says, and then we're going to wrap up this morning. Hebrews 12 says this. And if you've forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when, he, when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves 
and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Wow. It's a good passage just to chew on for a little bit as you're thinking about the different ways that God shows his love. But this, this striking phrase is like, wow, if we don't receive his discipline, then it says we're illegitimate children. That's, that's not the camp I want to be in. But just know that he, he is wise, he's careful, he's gentle, even when he disciplines us, and it's always for our best. God loves us. His truths are unchanging and are powerful when we receive them deep in our heart. So here's how we're going to close. A band's going to come on up. And I want us just to talk about how, I've talked a lot about his love, some truths about his love, but how do we respond to it? And we're going to have a moment in just a little bit to respond to his love. So let me give you two things. You can write these down if it's helpful for you, but if they're pretty simple to remember. Like, what do I do now because God loves, you, loves me so much? And here's the first one. We receive, intentionally receive his love, and we remain in his love. Everybody say receive. Say remain. John 15, 9 says, this is Jesus talking. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide or remain in my love. You can keep that up there just for a little bit. <laughs> this is another sermon for another day, but have you ever thought, this is Jesus talking, have you ever thought how much the Father God loves Jesus? No, you haven't. <laughs> I haven't thought about it much either. Jesus says, as the Father loves me, so I love you. This, if you, I want you to chew on this because this will blow your mind. <laughs> As much as the Father loves Jesus, that's how much we are loved by Him. In the same fierceness, in the same energy, in the same passion that the Lord loves Jesus, that love is given to us. It's crazy. It's a lot of love. It's perfect love. Think about the way the Father and the Son love each other. It's perfect love. It is undefiled. There is nothing wrong between the Father and the Son. They're unified as one in the Trinity, the Spirit. God loves us with a perfect love. And then he says, abide or remain in my love. A couple practical, it's just to like keep yourself, I would encourage you to do this every day, is just to pause. I would encourage it before you start getting super busy with your day, is just to think about God's love and to do one of two things. To pause and say, God, thank you that you love me today. Or what I like to do is, and I do this with my children, is to just ask, Take a moment and ask God if he loves me. Now, we already know the answer to that question, but you know that we don't have a relationship with facts. We have a relationship with a person. And so sometimes those facts come to life when you're engaging with a person. God, do you love me? And just pause for a second and just see what comes to your mind. If anything other than yes comes to your mind, maybe ask him again. But he loves me. Sometimes he might give you a, a scripture in mind. Sometimes he might just remind you of the cross. It's God saying, I love you. Yep. 
It's true. I love this real today. It's true today. And the other response besides receiving and remaining in his love is that we love back. We love God back. We love others back. But I want to emphasize not so much a message on loving others because we will not be able to love God back or love others very well or very consistently over a long period of time if we do not daily receive and remain in the love of God ourselves. And when we receive God's love, there's a little slide, last slide I'll put up here. When we receive God's love, what does his love do to us? His love fills us. Put that last slide up there. His love fills us with all the fullness of God, like I said in Ephesians 3. His love heals us, secures us, strengthens us, restores us, protects us, provides for us, satisfies, forgives, and delivers from shame. His love is powerful. So as we close this morning, I want us to practice a command that the Lord gave his people to remember the greatest display of his love. This is then called Right, so why don't you take a moment under your chair. I want you to pull out this little communion cup. And I want you just to take a second. And um, if it helps you focus, I would encourage you to just close your eyes just for a minute. And just think about what Jesus did for you on the cross. Jesus, thank you for your blood, it's perfect blood, sinless blood that washes us clean. We wouldn't be here without your sacrifice, Jesus. We 
wouldn't be here if it wasn't for what you did to show us you love us so much. Worthy is the lamb that was slain, that was slain for us, that died for us. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wealth and wisdom and might forever and ever and ever. Worthy are you, Jesus. We believe. Those of us that really want prayer need prayer to receive some prayer. So in just a minute, some of our life group leaders and staff members make their way up kind of to the front or to the side and will offer to pray for you. But here's what I feel like the Lord wants to do for a few specific people in the room. One is I feel like the Lord wants to get some of us out of shame. A lot of times we stay in the sense of shame where we think bad of ourselves because of the bad things we've done. And what his love does is it breaks off shame. God forgives you. God washes you clean. He brings you in close and he accepts you and he receives you no matter what you have done. I'm reminded in Luke 15, well, the passage will be on the screen or you can just kind of close your eyes and picture this, but I'm reminded of Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. You can start it in verse 17. The son had everything but he demanded from his father that he get his inheritance and then he went out to a distant country and used it all to, on himself and was indulging in sin. Then, verse 17, it says this, he came to himself, he just woke up, and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Don't forget that statement. He says, this is him talking to himself. He says, this is what I'm gonna go tell my dad. I'm gonna treat, treat me as one of your hired servants. Then in verse 20, he says, he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Then he stops. Verse 22, it says, But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on them, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. I want you to not miss something. As the son was rehearsing what he was going to say, I've sinned and I'm no longer worthy to be your son, he also wanted to tell his father, Hey, just go ahead and treat me as a hired servant. But I want you to notice where the father interrupted him. He let the son acknowledge that he had sinned, that he's not worthy in a sense. But you know what he didn't let the son say? Treat me as a hired servant. And here's where I think the Lord wants to help us a little bit. Because of our mistakes, because of our sins, because of our past, we get to this place of really good brokenness and repentance and we ask the Lord to forgive us. And in a sense, we understand that we're not worthy but you know what God doesn't want? He doesn't want to treat you like a hired servant. You're still a son. You're still a daughter. He wants to give you everything, no matter what you've done. 
So I feel like some of us maybe need to get out of a mindset of a hired servant and just start operating like a son and like a daughter again, fully receiving God's love without restraint. No way to earn it. He just wants to lavish you in. And the last thing here just to respond to is if any of you in this room feel like you just need healing from disappointments in your life, any places that have been so hard that it's produced a sense of resentment or bitterness, even a lot of like unanswered questions to God, how could you let this happen? And I just want you to know that the love of God is stronger even than that. And it's available for you this morning to bring healing from any disappointments that you've experienced in your life. He can heal you. He wants to heal you this morning. So here's what we're going to do. Let's stand to our feet. Some of our life group leaders and staff members, go ahead and make yourself available over here on the side. And I just really would love for anybody that needs prayer this morning that just you need to know that God loves you in a fresh way. You need some healing from disappointment, pain, or you just need to know you need to get out of that mindset of a hired servant. And we want to pray for you this morning. Everybody else, let's just receive his love and worship to get prayer if you need it. So Father, here we are. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for how much you love us. Just help us respond continually to you and how much you laid your life down for us so that we could experience your love. Set us free, Lord, this morning from any shame. Set us free from any mindset of being a hired servant. We are your children and you fully love us. Have your way in this moment. In Jesus' name.